This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Here we go. Jake and Josh are here to analyze the game they love for the team they love. This is another Dolphins Podcast. Here's your host, Jake Mendel and Josh House. What is going on? Thanks for tuning in to another edition of another Dolphins Podcast. As we prepare for Sunday night football between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Miami Dolphins, I find myself stuck wondering, is this game going to be one in the trenches? So to answer that question, it's been a little while, but I'm excited to have him back at Brian Cat NFL. Cat, it's good to see you, my friend. How are you doing today? Doing good, Jake. Uh, exciting season so far. Uh, looking forward to the matchup here between the Eagles and Dolphins. Uh, really a game between two very strong 5-1 and one teams. It's a little frustrating when I think about this matchup because the Dolphins have had, we know, a relatively easy schedule, but I kind of wish that their two strongest opponents weren't taking place in Buffalo and in Philly. Uh, right off the top of my head, outside of like Kansas City, those two seem like the toughest places to go play, and then you add on Sunday Night Football on top of it, man. it's The, the scale seems a little weighed here when you look at those two matchups. Well, you know, a lot of talk this week about how the Dolphins have only beaten poor teams and the one team that they played against Buffalo, they, they lost. And look, two things can be true at once here is number one, the dolphins are winning on an average of by an average of 19 points a game. And that doesn't just happen. Uh, it doesn't just happen that you have the best offense in the league, at least statistically by a mile. That isn't something that just happens because you played five bad teams. Um, and, I'd argue, too, that the Chargers and the Patriots, those two games at the time, were very difficult. Um, So, but the other side of that, too, is 
two of the next three weeks, you've got the Dolphins play at the Eagles and the Chiefs at, and the Chiefs in Germany. I think it is very important that they win one, at least one of those games, because if not, you look at the five games after the bye, you've got the Jets twice, the Titans, the Raiders, um, and the Commanders. So you got five easy teams after the bye. So mm-hmm. if the Dolphins don't win one of these two games against the Chiefs or the Eagles, the whole narrative going into late December and January is going to be, yeah, but they really haven't beaten their 0-3 against elite teams. We don't want to be having that conversation. So they've got to win, to me, at least one of these two games against the Eagles and Chiefs, and I do think they'll end up doing that. It's just, it's so crazy. I mean, I, I completely agree with you, but I mean, in Buffalo, in Philly, then in Germany, it, it is not an easy hand to be dealt. I mean, I, I wish at least one of those games were at home just to kind of even the playing field a little bit. Uh, I got to ask you, someone special returned to the field on uh, Wednesday. That's number five, Jalen Ramsey. What was the first thing going through your head when you knew that, hey, this, the three-time first-team All-Pro is returning to that Dolphins secondary and won't be this Sunday, but in the coming weeks? Well, even I was surprised. And, you know, after his surgery on his meniscus was complete and the timetable was December, I always I always eyed that first game after the bye against the Raiders. And mm-hmm. then, you know, the week after that, you've got the Jets on Friday night. Because, hey, if they're saying he could return by December, I'm thinking, okay, well, it's Jalen Ramsey. Great genetics. He's going to be back in late November. Well, you know, it's October 19th now, and he's the 21 day windows open. So there's a realistic chance that he could play uh, against the Chiefs. Um, I, I don't think the Patriots game's in play, but it, who knows? Maybe he could surprise us again. But that first game against the Chiefs, um, or, or the Chiefs could be his first game back. And it's it would be not only a remarkable recovery, but very, very important to this team, too, because as I've said many times on this show here, that cornerback spot, that second or third, or that slot cornerback spot and the depth of cornerback overall is the biggest problem, not only on the defense, but the team. Oh, I completely agree with you. And this is a group that can, you know, look really different in a few weeks. We've had Justin Bethel have to have an, be an impact player. Uh, Kelvin Joseph is getting snaps. But all of a sudden, another player who's also coming back is Nick Needham, because that's another player who you could throw him in the slot. You're comfortable with him playing on the boundary. I wouldn't say he's as good, but having four capable cornerbacks and then Cam Smith waiting in the, the wings hopefully can find his way onto the field. I mean, this group, I think, can can improve a lot in the coming weeks. You bet. And I'm hoping that we see Cam Smith in this game. If Xavier Howard is, uh, he returned to practice today, so he should be a go. But if if he isn't at 100% and if he's struggling out there, then I want to see Cam Smith get in there. Because the ultimate fear with a rookie cornerback, I, I go back to the preseason when I can't remember who it was, but Cam Smith bid on a double move, just pure mm-hmm. inexperience from a rookie cornerback. And the guy took it 70 yards. And that's your fear in a game like this. And so I was fearful against like DJ Chark last week, a fast guy, vertical mm-hmm. threat, that if you put Cam Smith in there, is he going to be a misstep away from the Panthers getting a 60-yard touchdown that otherwise would have been an incomplete pass? I had a little bit of that fear. But this week, you know, A.J. Brown is a, a world beater receiver. He's one of the top five, ten receivers in the league. Is he somebody that's just going to flat out burn by you? Probably not. So I think the Dolphins have a little bit more wiggle room in there to get Cam Smith on the field, and I hope they do. 
And the Eagles kind of feel like a team too, where you, you got to be able to tackle them. They have a lot of capable playmakers, especially on the outside. I mean, uh, there's going to be a lot of situations where it's one-on-one in coverage and you got to hope your guy makes a play. Yeah, the reason I had you on today was to talk about the trenches. And to start things off here, there's a tone surrounding this Miami Dolphins defense that it hasn't lived up to par. And I completely agree with that. I think this defense has a lot of ways to go. Uh, but something I think is a little interesting is people talking about uh, Miami's pressure rate, how often they're getting the quarterback. And you consider this group that's sixth in pressure percentage, third in sacks, but just 18th in blitz percentage. They're sneaky better than we think at getting to the quarterback. Uh, we could debate on how good this group is, but why do you think that they're third in the league in sacks and we're kind of thinking this as a, a sneaky group when it comes to rushing the passer? Uh, to me, it all goes back to the Bills game, and mm-hmm. that's the game that mattered so much, and that's the game where they didn't show up. I mean, the other games, I really don't have a, a huge problem with with uh, what they've done against the run. Um and I love what they've done against, you know, in pass rush because they're first in quarterback hits, third in sacks for the season. They just didn't get it done against the Bills. And, you know, some people will bring up their run defense. I I see it as a situation where the Dolphins got run all over by the Chargers and Austin Eckler. And since then, they've been good against the run. I mean, they are if you take out the Chargers game, you look at just the last five games to opposing running backs. They're averaging three point five yards a carry in run defense. That's great. Like, mm-hmm. so it all comes back to the Bills game and why there is that stigma. Um, and this is another game, too, where they're certainly going to be put to the test because the Eagles offensive line is comfortably a top three unit in the NFL um, with Lane Johnson's out on the field. Lane Johnson is a high ankle sprain, listed as doubtful, but was at practice today. If he can get out there and play better than Jack Driscoll did last week at right tackle for the Eagles, that is a major uh, thing for them to get back. Um, so it's going to be a fascinating matchup on both sides of the ball because the Eagles are strong on their defensive line and on their offensive line. PFF doesn't count half sacks, which I kind of agree with. If there's two guys getting in on a sack, just give them both a sack. Um, they have Zach Sealer, Christian Wilkins, Bradley Chubb, and Andrew Van Ginkle at four sacks apiece. Something that I thought was really interesting during that Eagles game is Jalen Hurts against the New York Jets last week looked Pretty awkward, very uncomfortable in the backfield. Um, I got to ask you, though, looking back to that week against the Chargers, the idea was, hey, there might have been a few defensive linemen that were freelancing a little bit, maybe trying to get their tackle instead of just filling up their lanes. Jalen Hurts, his biggest impact against the Jets was running the football. He had 50 yards on the ground. Do you feel this is a group that can kind of command or at least maintain that line of scrimmage, or do you feel they might get that, um, uh, you know, have that feeling they can get to the quarterback just to kind of get burnt or something along those lines? You know, it's the argument is that you've got Jalen Phillips and Bradley Chubb for a reason, and they need to pin their ears back and get the quarterback. I I don't I don't see them playing in that style for the entire game, though, because, look, Jalen Hartz is going to run the ball a lot. I mean, this is somebody who what on the on the season here, he already has 63 rushes on the season. So. You know, 63 rushes divided by six games. He's he's carrying the ball over an average of over 10 times a game. And you mm-hmm. can expect more of that. He wants the Eagles. Jalen Hurts is an embodiment of, of who the Eagles are. They want to beat you five, six, seven yards at a time. And so because of that, running factors in. So if Jalen Hurts fakes the handoff and goes around the back door, you can't 
have Bradley Chubb and Jalen Phillips just trying to completely get into the backfield. They've got to keep containment on the outside or else Jalen Hurts is, is going to bust a 20, 25 yard run probably several times. Yep. No, I completely agree with you. I mean, that's been the biggest fear of Dolphin fans for like 10 years now is just these quarterback, these mobile quarterbacks back to like a Tyrod Taylor when he was on the bills 10 years ago, just running around nonstop. Uh, one of the most interesting stats I think about this Dolphins defense is they are at the bottom of the league with two interceptions Jalen Hurts threw three interceptions last week alone. So you mentioned Bradley Chubb. You mentioned Jalen Phillips, who is actually going to be on a pitch count this week. Uh, again, I think Vic Fangio came out and confirmed that. How can the Miami Dolphins front disrupt Jalen Hurts into maybe some forcing some throws? I mean, they love going with their bubble screen game. They love getting the ball out quick. So how can this defensive line really make Hurts maybe rethink things or hold the ball for an extra second, see something that's not there? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The interesting thing is Jalen Hurts already has more interceptions this year than he did all of last year. He had oh, six wow. last year. He's got seven this year. But, you know, the Dolphins just flat out lining up and pushing around this Eagles offensive line is not going to happen. Um, mm-hmm. And that's more because of the Eagles offensive line than ours. I mean, look, PFF uh, have has them as number two in run blocking, number five in pass protection. And if not for Jack Driscoll last week, they'd probably be in the top three in pass protection for the year. So, um, yeah, they're the, the key for me is containment mm-hmm. for the entire, because, you know, the Eagles are going to get some yards uh, throughout this game. The, the key is you can't just have those fifth, you know, 10, you know, a 15 yard run by Deandre Swift and then a 23 yard catch by AJ Brown. And then they go all the way down the field and it turns out that the Dolphins aren't in a bend but don't break situation. They're breaking on defense on, on the back end when the Eagles get into the red zone. So, because to me, if if the Dolphins can contain the Eagles and have them go the length of the field um, and have a strong red zone defense, that's going to eat up a lot of time. And then the Dolphins are going to be able to respond offensively. If, if, if they're able if the Eagles are putting these long drives together and the Dolphins are creating their usual big plays, I think the Dolphins offensively will eventually outpace the Eagles and win the game. We spent all offseason looking at Vic Fangio, his 40 years of experience, and what that could be uh, once it's implemented into this Miami Dolphins roster. You just kind of hit the nail on the head of what we wanted to see out of this defense this season, forcing opposing offenses, those 10, those 15 play drives, and all of a sudden a penalty pushes you back and just staying, keeping them behind the chains. Do you see the defense? Obviously, there's a learning curve, there's injuries, but do you see this defense approaching that vision we had that this Vic Vangio scheme just really contains offenses and just really forces them to painfully work down the field? That's the defensive style. I don't think they're anywhere close to where they need to be overall, and they may not get there until Jalen Ramsey is back, Mm -hmm. and then they get the communication down from that point because – such an important thing in this game. The biggest thing I'm going to be looking for that wasn't there in the Buffalo game is the communication was horrid. I mean, 
and it wasn't, I, I really thought I was going to watch the all 22 on that game and see just that the bills were just far, far too talented for the dolphins to keep up with. That's not what I saw. I saw players in the wrong spots. I saw them confused before the snap and it was loud in Buffalo and it's going to be loud in Philadelphia. I've been to Philadelphia on a Sunday night game. It is loud and it is, it's just debauchery all, all the way around in Philadelphia. I mean, I feel be careful, any Dolphins fans that are going there. I've been to several stadiums. That is by far the rowdiest. Josh goes to every Dolphins game in Philly, and I cannot believe he does it. And, and there's no fear or anything. He just casually walks in. So I give him all the he's, credit. He's the my world. hero. Good, good for you, Josh. The guts on that man are just through the roof. Uh, something I think that is so interesting is because we love to praise this Philly offensive line, and rightfully so, they have allowed five sacks this season. We'll get to the Dolphins' offensive line, but just to note, they've also only allowed five sacks this season, according to Pro Football Focus, so that's a nice little bonus. But one final question about this Philly offense. There are so many playmakers on this group. Do you feel maybe the defense can get away cheating against a, a player, too? Because specifically, I look at what DeAndre Swift did last week. Uh, 10 carries, 18 yards, 1.8 yards per carry. That math was real hard to figure out. Obviously, he's been a lot better this year uh, as a whole. The week before against the Rams, 17 carries for 70 yards. Commanders, 14 for 56. And then against the Buccaneers, he averaged eight yards per carry. But looking at him averaging less than two yards per carry last week, could the Dolphins maybe get away with cheating against someone like DeAndre Swift, knowing that, hey, we have the physical uh, defensive front who should be able to contain him if we want our linebackers maybe breaking to the outside or something along those lines? No, I think that the strategy is going to be to show Jalen Hurts and DeAndre Swift equal attention. And mm -hmm. th this defense doesn't, it's, it's not the Belichick, Brian Flores approach where, Hey, we're going to try to take this one guy out of the game. And then we're going to make these other guys beat you. That can be effective sometimes. And sometimes it is, this is a little bit more evenly spread out with this defense and how they show attention. So I, I think they'll have that Jalen hurts is going to have a hard time fooling the dolphins front. If he, you know, wants to slip out the back door and, and, and get a big run. I think I, I don't think that's going to happen at least very often. I, at least it better not. Um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't expect 10 carries for 18 yards. DeAndre Swift on the year averaging over five yards a carry. And, you know, this is one of the best rushing offenses in the league. So it's it's a matter of really controlling them and, and coming up big in the red zone and on third down. Yep, I completely agree with you. I mean, just boosting that number from two interceptions. I mean, that, that would be key right there. You want to go, you want to silence Philly create a turnover or two early on, switch that into a quick 14 points like the Dolphins are known to do, and all of a sudden you're cooking with Crisco. To flip things over and look at the Miami Dolphins offensive line against a very, very scary uh, Philly front, I want to start with a simple question here. Do we owe Liam Eichenberg maybe a slight little teeny-weeny apology? No, no, because uh, <laughs> nothing replaces what he did in the Bills game, at least, at least not – at least not one game because Connor Williams was came back and then he was out again for the Panthers game. But uh, no, I mean, I think, I think Liam played a, very, a, a good game. Uh, he still got yelled at by Raheem Mostert rightfully so, because it would have been like a 50 yard run, but um, no, no, Liam, Liam had a good game. I get, I'll be it against shy Tuttle for most of the game, but um, this is, 
this would be a big challenge if Connor Williams can't go. But Connor Williams did return to practice today, and that's the first time in almost two weeks that he's practiced. So I'd be a little bit surprised if he ended up not being able to go on Sunday, especially against a, a quality opponent like the Eagles. And in my opinion, a top three defensive tackle already in Jalen Carter. He's been absolutely bananas this year. Uh, just just to sit on Connor Williams for a second here. Uh, he kind of has that Mike Pouncey in him, I'm starting to realize. Just that enforcer on the offensive line, that leader that you want in the center of the group that's been pretty exciting. However, I'm a little afraid of this groin injury because I think he came out and said on either Wednesday or Thursday that he re-aggravated it against the Giants from going too far. And I'm starting to get a little concerned that it might be one of those injuries where you've got to maybe shut him down two, three weeks to get fully healthy. Um, would you go that route or do you think this game against Philly is just so important where if Connor Williams is 80, 80 percent that's more than enough for this offensive line after the bills game i wanted connor williams to sit the next two weeks if he was still struggling with that and because i i felt that you didn't need him to beat the giants and didn't need him to beat the panthers and i wanted him fresh for the the eagles the patriots and and the chiefs that run um so no i i he's important in a game like this because you know we saw against the bills that if the defensive tackle is shoved back and the edge rushers are pinning their ears back and getting to it. You can absolutely, despite how many sacks the dolphins have given up this year, you can absolutely get to Tua Tonga Bailoa. There's no doubt about that. And that's got to be the strategy. And it's got to be a strategy for all teams here that you got to get up on the dolphins and try to get to Tua with four or three rushing not blitzing all the time because two is so good against the blitz and then get up and press those receivers at the line of scrimmage and, and play with the safety over the top. Um, that's, that's good. That's gotta be the strategy. That's, that's the route to win for any defense. And it'll be fascinating to see how often the Eagles try to press uh, Tyree kill and Jalen Waddle. Cause you look at their defense, they do press coverage more than ever any team in the league, except for three others. So are they going to, take those defensive backs and move them back a little bit to respect their speed? Are they going to get up in their face? That'll be one of the interesting things to see at the beginning of this game. And I think something that might dictate that quite a bit is a uh, Reed Blankenship. One, I, it's annoying because uh, the only two people with the last nine named Blankenship in the league First, it's a kicker, so you instantly think another Blankenship's going to be no problem if they're playing defense. But Reed has been absolutely awesome this year. He's a safety blanket in the back of that defense for the Eagles. He's missed two games, or excuse me, the last two days of practice with a ribs injury. So you could could you see that the game is really dictated by that, that the Eagles get into a situation where they want to play it a little safe and force the Dolphins into making these 10, 15 play drives uh, just so you don't get the Tyree kill burning you like he's done each of the last two weeks? Yeah, that's he's an unheralded player for them. Uh, went to Middle Tennessee State, undrafted. You know, over the last couple of years, uh, you know, he's he's hung around, hung around, hung around, and he got a role last year, and now this year he's a starting safety for him. So he'll be replaced by uh, Sidney Brown, uh, I would presume, the third round rookie out of Illinois, and you know, Brown is is what I would call computer fast but not as sudden as a Reed Blankenship. So he, you, that'll be an interesting uh, introduction into, uh, you know, their what I believe is Sidney Brown's first start of the year. So mm-hmm. I, I don't think Blankenship, though, is important enough where they've got to dramatically change things on defense, but he is a good player. 
The Eagles have a total of 24 sacks through six games. I mean, you you mentioned Jalen Carter's start. He has four sacks on the year, and that's including the fact he missed la- last week against the Jets. You also have Josh Sweat with four sacks, Hassan Reddick with six, despite only a 66 pass rush grade, according to Pro Football Focus. And then even, I mean, we can keep going. Jordan Davis has three. This group is absolutely loaded. Uh, you mentioned Jalen Carter, but is there a one guy specifically, every single play you're going to be watching that they could just have it looking like Kevin spilling the chili all over the floor? You know, you know, I've got the uh, in the background. I'm I'm looking at just on a loop. I've had the Jets, Eagles, all 22 uh, behind me as I've been as I've been working here. And I'm just as you said that I was watching Hassan Reddick run around right tackle Max Mitchell for them for the Jets this past week, and that'll be a big matchup again for Austin Jackson. Austin Jackson largely has answered the call this year, but um, Hassan Reddick for the most part does not switch sides. He's going to be rushing over right tackle on the year. Reddick's rushed, uh, or, or has, has, uh, 258 snaps. Only 22 of them have been against the left tackle. So we can expect that to be the match of Austin Jackson against Hassan Reddick and then Kendall lamb against, uh, Josh sweat. And they also rotate Brandon Graham in there. Who's been around forever. Um, he was drafted in the first round the same year Jared Odrick was. So that shows that shows how far back he goes. Um, but he's still a good player. And then a defensive tackle, obviously, you've got Jalen Carter. You've got massive Jordan Davis, who's 6'6", 350. Man, that's, it's going to be a tough task for the Dolphins. And they rotate Fletcher Cox in there. And speaking of run defense like we were earlier in the year, one of the best run defenses in the league that the Eagles have on the season averaging just 3.18 yards a carry on 95 carries to opposing running backs. So against the run, against the pass, it's going to be a big challenge because you're facing one of the best defensive lines in the league here. I love your note about the fact that they kind of stick to their positions. Was that, that wasn't what the bills did, right? They were kind of lining up guys all over the place, mismatching, right? So this is a little different despite still being a strong pass rush. Right. Sean Desai with their front, they rotate often, but they don't move guys around as often as say the bills do. So that's uh, we, what we've seen on tape. I, I think we can pretty much expect. It's also a defense too, that doesn't blitz a whole heck of a lot. They blitz 24.9% of the time. That's about middle of the pack in the league. So, you know, I, I don't see them dialing it up more against Tua who's better against the blitz. Um, I think that would be a mistake. So I, I expect them to come with five periodically, but overall not go very blitz heavy either. Do you think the Dolphins can sustain their, uh, excuse me, uh, running game against this Eagles front? Because they've done a lot of really cool things, Just even just sending tight ends and, and fullbacks in motion just to give them a running start to uh, go engage with their block. I mean, Butch Berry says it. This, this group just needs to be a bunch of maulers attacking the guys down the field. Uh, are the Dolphins going to have to get a little creative? I mean, is this a situation where this is just a complete stone wall and Mike McDaniel has to consider that we might not be able to motion as much because it's going to be so loud? Am I overcomplicating things? Who knows? Yeah, I think that running inside is going to be tough, very simply, because you've got all that beef inside. Uh, outside zones uh, that around the world handoff, some end arounds. I, I think that's where you got to go. Just as often as you've been going in the past here, because it's going to be tough sledding on the inside running. But um, the other part of that, too, is you don't want to go outside so often that you start getting predictable. So on the season, the Dolphins running backs are already Dolphins running backs. Just the running backs are already over a thousand yards 
for the season. We're six games into the season. They have 140 carries, 1,030 yards, 15 touchdowns, 19 total touchdowns, an average of 7.36 yards a carry. So the Eagles are allowing 3.12 yards a carry to opposing running backs. Dolphins running back 7.36. So it is definitely going to be a fantastic matchup to see the Dolphins running game against this defense. Hey, I'd be cool with them meeting in the middle. Allow about 5.5 yards per carry. So why not? Why not? Yeah. Just let them... Me too. <laughs> Before we wrap up here, uh, Cap, the Miami Dolphins offense on Sunday was such a blast to watch, right? You're down 14 nothing. All of a sudden, boom, 21-14. I think the Dolphins did a great job of isolating defenders, setting up one-on-one blocks. That Durham Smythe block on the outside on that Raheem Moster touchdown catch was absolutely beautiful. What was your biggest takeaway from that game? Did you notice anything start to... Uh, any like branches of this Miami Dolphins offense where the first couple of weeks it was cooking in one direction, but all of a sudden you're starting to see a little, a uh, few ripples, you know, in hindsight, I wasn't, I mean, I wasn't saying this in the first quarter last week in hindsight, <laughs> I'm glad they got down 14 to nothing because it, it allowed us to see a different part of the team there in that type of situation where they came out, they get shocked by an Owen five team and they have to remain calm and just play the brand of football that's gotten them here. So they did that. And, you know, I talked about a couple of weeks ago in, in the Bills game when there's a big swing. What's the first domino that falls? And when I was rewatching the game, uh, it was a third and five catch by Braxton Berrios where I'm thinking, man, if, if he doesn't catch that pass and the Dolphins go for it on fourth and don't get it, like, is this a game where the, the final wheel is going to fall off early in the first quarter? But the Dolphins came back um, and, and put up 42 points, uh, which, you know, we, we forgot at the end of the game that the Panthers were even up. We forgot they were on the field, to be completely honest. And the more I think about this, I mentioned this yesterday with Merrick and Houts, but, um, you know, you have Adam Thielen going for like a buck 20 and a touchdown. That looks really ugly on the surface, and it was really frustrating live. But when you think about it, that's kind of what you want out of the Vic Fangio defense, force them to dink and dunk all the way. I mean, I'd take that over, like the Marvin Mims 60-yard touchdown pass uh, against Denver or something like that. I, I just think that, with this Dolphins team, especially the defense, some of the context doesn't really line up um, as often as it should in terms of how well they're playing. Yeah, stylistically, it's it's interesting because I think we can both agree that uh, eight catches for 102 yards by the two-minute warning by any receiver is not good. Um, but as far as complementary football is concerned, if if you're forcing them to go five, ten yards at a time and they're not beating you over the top, but the Dolphins are going to get 30, 40 yard plays. You just match that all together and you're probably going to get a Dolphins win. So that that's going to be the thing to look out for in these upcoming weeks. And it really in this game too, because if, if the Dolphins can, can get Jalen hurts into some third and longs at any point in the drive, then I think that really is becomes advantage Dolphins in that drive. But if they keep getting those big chunk plays because you're like, ah, eh, we're going to make them drive the length of the field. And then they do it quickly and they put seven on the board. That's when things start to get out of hand and you start saying, okay, I, I wish they'd play a little tighter, blitz a little more, play a little bit more press, play a little bit more man. Yeah, I completely agree with you. At Brian Cat NFL, man, it's been a couple of weeks. It's so great to see you again. Um, can I get a little little prediction how you're feeling this game's going to go before we wrap up here? <sighs> I think the Dolphins lose to the Eagles and beat the Chiefs. And Ooh. so I'm going to go 31-28 Dolphins. Ooh, 
Eagles in this one. Um, I I think they have a little bit more of an advantage up front and just in staying on brand with uh, the the what this show is about, the trenches. I think the Dolphins have a little bit of a disadvantage there on both sides of the ball. Not because they're poor, but because the Eagles are really the class of the NFL along their offensive and defensive lines. They put a lot of draft picks and a lot of money into them for games like this. But I think it's going to be a great game. And again, I have to emphasize again, if the Dolphins are seven and two heading into the bye week and they get back, Devon, Devon Achan, Teron Armstead, Jalen Ramsey, and you get Connor Williams and Jalen Phillips returning back to health. I'm going to be coming out of that bye week if they're seven and two or hopefully eight and one and saying, man, this really could be a championship season or a championship run. You better check your pulse if you are not fired up. At Brian Cat NFL, you said it all. Thank you so much for joining us. That is all the time we have for another edition of another Dolphins podcast. We will be back tomorrow with our full game preview. But until then, fins up.